Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome along to the Rugby Pod. Big Jim and Goody are back with us again and so is Beer52, guys. Well, yeah. Yes, it is. Some happy customers, loyal customers, long-term customers. They're well happy. And if they're happy, we're happy. Well, it's ideal, isn't it? Because the rugby came back and we sorted everyone out with eight free beers through Beer52. So uh, you're welcome, everyone. And you can still get those eight free beers. All you got to do is go to beer52.com forward slash rugby. The first case you get... You'll get eight free beers and only have to cover for the postage. All you need to do is go to beer52.com forward slash rugby. Make sure you put in that forward slash rugby. That's the word beer followed by the number 52.com. How's your week been, boys? Goody, where are you? Hey, I've just, um, I'm just in the East Wing this week. Yeah, a bit of work going on in the West Wing, so uh, just moved down to the East Wing. So I haven't got my dartboard behind me this week, but it'll be back, don't worry. Jim, how's your week been, mate? Oh, great. If you've not been following me all over social media, I've been posting the good life. Uh, rented a dog as well uh, for the weekend. So a dog that basically it's called an Instagram dog where you hire a dog, take loads of pictures, bang it on social media, get loads of people liking it, and then just uh, let it off the lead and to go and find wherever <laughs> it wants to go off the back of it. And uh, a few more followers and, and people loving me as a dog person. Ace too. It's actually, the dog was called Mildred for the millions of people asking. Who calls Mildred. the dog Mildred? Oh, mate, I love, I love weird dog names. Mildred's a quality name for a dog. Mildred! You're in the park, just calling her back. Mildred. Well, we were down the beach with the kids over the weekend, and it, Mildred actually belongs to my mum. So she she brought it up. I mean, only three or four shits in the Volkswagen transporter van that my stepdad's converted. It looks so chavvy. It's beyond belief. He thinks it looks really cool. He's got private number plate on it, P23NNY, because his surname's Penny. Get it? So it looks like Penny. Brings the dog up, drives up from Coventry. Yeah, no Coventry homes. Get, literally falls out the van. The smell of this dog, Mildred, <laughs> the bulldog. They clean it up and they enter the premises. And as soon as they enter the premises, they get given uh, a couple of kids, aka the twins. So weekend's been good down the beach. Um, not that hot, I'll be honest. It's Scotland, but a very nice weekend. Thank you very much for asking, Andy Rowe. I've got some big news though, boys. Turkey Twizzlers are back. What? I'm so happy this week because Turkey Twizzlers are back. Have you not seen the big news? I don't even know what they are. Uh, Jim, you've definitely eaten turkey Twizzlers in your time growing up as a kid. Uh, it's the comeback of the century, boys. Everyone knows about turkey Twizzlers. Jamie Oliver tried to get them banned from school uh, menus and things like that. So they're back in the shops. Never heard of them. Bernard Matthews, turkey Twizzlers. I'm, I'm salivating right now. Are, so, they, cr- um, are they crisps or not? It, well, it's turkey Twizzlers, as, the, as it says on the box, Jim. Uh, it's turkey that's twizzled in a kind of breadcrumb coating. So is it like sausages or something? Well, they're turkey Twizzlers. Turkey. It's just turkey, yeah. Well, they say it's turkey. It's not. It's probably a mixture between Mildred's dad and his sister. <laughs> Possibly. All rolled, all rolled up with a bit of cat as well. And um, yeah, they, they, they might, hey, I tell you what, they might they might stamp, stamp it with a turkey beak, which makes it turkey. Yeah, so, exactly. I thought you'd exactly. gone from all that. I thought you'd, you know, it, it was a new you, new, new pod, pandemic's nearly over, he says. New you. Yeah, definitely. But turkey twizzlers are great. But I've got a, a bit of a debate I've had with my missus this week, and, and she thinks it's just me that does this sort of thing. So the kids are in bed, and, you know, missus goes in the shower, and, you know, I, I just thought, oh, do you, do you want me to come in the shower with you? And she's like, no, no, I'm all right, thanks. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> 
But at this point, I'd already taken my clothes off, right? Thinking. (laughs) (laughs) And then you started, you know, I started being a bit silly, messing around. And well, you make make a few shapes with your nether regions, don't you? You know, then you do other things, trying to make a sandwich with them and all this stuff. A sandwich? Yeah, you can make a sandwich with it. How do you make oh, a sandwich? A hot, it's a hot dog, really, isn't it? So the bun is the testicles and the, the sausage is the, <laughs> the sausage. So I'm, I'm doing this and trying to entertain the missus a bit. And she's like, what, what's wrong with you? I'm like, what do you mean? What's wrong with me? And she's like laughing at me, but out of pity. And she's like, who does that? I said, I guarantee every bloke has done that at some point in their life. Mate, my missus is, yeah, she thinks men are weird, but she only really knows me as like a proper man. You know, like, you know, (laughs) like cupping your farts and woofing them up and stuff like that. She thinks that that's weird. In her face or yours? No, generally in mine. It's, yeah, uh, (laughs) yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, I don't get it. I just don't get what's wrong with men. Like, it's like Sam Vesti, put your nose and eat it. That's more of a man thing. I'll be honest. I don't think I've ever seen a woman, not even a girl as a kid, picking their nose and eating it. Boys, men, all the time. There's a few. There's a few that we know. Chris Ashton, he was a pick me nose and eat it. Yeah. Uh, Grant Gilchrist as well. He used to like. We used to call him the bogey monster. Sam Vesti being the glaringly obvious one. I've not been impartial as well. Why waste? Apparently, it's good for the immune system. So, just to let people know. I mean, yeah. I don't know where I don't know where we're going with it. I think it's all it's all good stuff for maybe for your um, autobiographies when they come out um, eventually. And someone's actually asked on on Twitter uh, if we want to get onto the rugby um, when your autobiographies are coming out. The likes of Marla Hartley and Haskell they're all coming out soon. Have you heard anything about those? Uh, any of those in particular? Well, talking of autobiographies, and we'll get onto them. I got sent James Hooks, and it's not an autobiography. Um, I'd say it's more of a novel. A novel. Um, started reading. Started reading it to JJ, and I haven't read. Uh, read it. I didn't opened. think you could read Jim. Well, I can't. This is the this is my point that I'm getting to. So, uh, but I'm lucky with James Hooks. There's there's more of a kind of narrative that I understand, and it's more for the younger generation. But I've started reading that. But no, I haven't read Haskell's or Hartley's. But I've been seeing some transcripts. That's the correct terminology. I've been re- reading and hearing some extracts, headlines. Would you like a couple of quotes? Do you want me to throw a couple at you? Hit us. Okay, Dylan Hartley's. What did you make of the one where he talked about Eddie Jones ringing him to let him know he wasn't going to the World Cup, saying, you're fucked, mate? I've been lucky enough to go and watch England train, and we've talked about this a few times, haven't we? And I was gobsmacked at how intense the training was, how long it was, etc., etc. And what you will get from Eddie Jones is, on occasions like that, just honesty. He's just been honest with him. Mate, you're fucked. You're absolutely fucked, mate. You're not going to the World Cup. And it was all about his knee. But I've seen the training and it is brutal and we've seen the environment and obviously, and it's like every international team that's ever been before. While that head coach is in charge, as a player, you may moan between yourselves. You may go for the odd Sappuccino. Like imagine being in Scotland when Jim was playing. It was like Sappuccino for breakfast, lunch and dinner. But as players, you know, the, I suppose the issue is you sometimes with, a, with such a strong character like Eddie Jones, and we've talked about it on here before, you can't feel you've got the confidence to go up to him and say, Hey mate, you know we need to dial back training a little bit because actually one of your leaders is Owen Farrell, who probably trains harder than anyone in the world and doesn't have a social life. Or all he cares about is I want to play rugby and I want to win. We're playing touch, we're playing tiddlywinks, whatever it is, I'm going to fucking win because I'm Owen Farrell. T-bag. So um, it doesn't surprise me anything that's come out. What you know, having seen it and witnessed it, but ultimately Eddie Jones doesn't care what the players think after they've finished, it's all for him about the winning 
and taking them to a level that he feels is good enough to win the World Cup, which ultimately we didn't do. But he's always said, I try and make training sessions way harder than games because then games are easier. And then one of the other quotes is from Dylan Hartley. He says when he, gets to the, when he got to the weekend, he was absolutely bollocks for a game. And all he wanted to do was win the game. So he had an easier week next week under Eddie Jones. And, you know, when you've got on, you've kind of got a authoritarian uh, coach in, in Eddie Jones. Dictatorship. Say it. Well, there you go. Well, let's not get too political, but yeah, I, I hear you, Jim. Um, you know, and Owen Farrell's the captain. Who's going to go against those two? Because, you know, ultimately, when a player then retires or a player leaves and doesn't get picked again or the coach leaves, then things come out the woodwork. And we've always said that. Things will come out once those d- changes happen. And, you know, look at Danny Kerr. I know for a fact Jan- Danny Kerr had a fairly brutal conversation with Eddie Jones uh, when he was playing for England against Japan, which was his last game. Uh, back in sort of November 2018, I think it was. And at the time, it was always Ben Youngs and Danny Kerr. Ben Youngs was the first choice. Danny Kerr's coming off the bench. And they played against Japan, didn't play very well. Eddie Jones dropped Danny Kerr the next, for the next game. And off the back of that, Danny Kerr went to Eddie Jones and said to him, hey, Eddie, what's the crack? You know, I want to be able to play in the front line. I want to, be, I want to play with Owen Farrell at, at 10. I want to play with Billy Vanapola at 8. But my opportunity was with some of the second choice players. He hasn't been seen again. He hasn't played Test Match Rugby ever again because he questioned Eddie Jones. And, you know, that's Eddie Jones is right. As, a, as the head coach, you live and die by the sword, don't you? And, you know, the other one was treating players like a piece of meat. Um, and that's, that's effectively what people are. Well, he also mentioned, uh, Dylan did, and he quoted in saying about the gener- generation of players being crash dummies for sport in transition from semi-professionalism, right? So what he's saying is our generation, our era, Goody, and we're probably the back end of that. Uh, Dylan's obviously just come out of that now. I, I think we are. I think that that's exactly what it is. And listening to Eddie Jones, I've actually warmed a little bit to him in terms of how open he's become, but you can tell there's an air of it, and I said it, uh, around the dictatorship that he kind of runs. But ultimately, what he said to Dylan, and as harsh as it is, he says to him, you fucked. Was he right or was he wrong? He was right, yeah. He speaks the truth. Exactly. And you can't handle the truth, as they said in A Few Good Fellas, or whatever it's called. Um, And this is the thing that people need to get away from in terms of rugby, right? How it used to be. And there is still this rugby family, and there's still the values that are uphold and upheld across the board. But now the game has gone so professional, right? You only have to have a look at the months gone by, of the stuff that we've seen around the salary cap, of we, we've seen around the sevens, like all these different things. Rugby is now at the stage where it's about money, right? I mean, you can't get away from that. And coming to the point where you speak about autobiographies, and stuff, I've been approached to, you know, write, write an autobiography, and so is Goody. I don't feel as I'm at the stage yet where I want to open people up because that's effectively what you have to do. If you're going to be completely honest, and we do a little bit, a little bit of it on here, but I've got my own story. Goody's got his own story about different coaches and how you're dealt with. Ultimately, it's a professional game, right? And you, you can look at it, and I, I remember being with a player, and I won't mention the club, I maybe mention it in the autobiography, that played at a club for a, many, many years and was coming towards the end of his career and turned to the club and said, right, what are you going to do for me now? I'm, I'm retiring. And the club said, well, what do you mean what we're going to do for you now? And they're like, well, I, I've been a loyal servant here for many, many years. And they were like, yeah, we've paid you probably over a million pounds. Like, well, what do you mean what we're going to do for you? That's what it is. You get paid to play, right? I got paid to play in the back end of my career. Was player welfare fair in terms of the way that I was managed, the way that Dylan was kind of managed? Was that at the forefront? No. You effectively become cannon fodder, right? Because... 
the way that sport works, the way that rugby works is the next generation is coming through. There's an evolution. The, 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 the one that can train throughout the week, the one that will say yes. The player that won't be divisive. So you're Danny Kerr, arguably, off the back of that. So I think it's great that Dylan's flagged that up because, again, I, I'm just seeing positive stuff about Eddie, but there's two ways you can look at it. There's one way you go down it like a, uh, an honest line or you can hide away and say, oh, you know, this and this is why we've not picked him. But I actually think Eddie with the older players after the World Cup and stuff dealt with them quite well. I, I, yeah. you know, he, he could have come in and a lot of people didn't want Dylan to play. A lot of people were saying like Jamie George is, is a better player and well, not arguably he was. So from Dylan's point of view and you write a book, you know, a year after you, you retire or how many months it's been, there's still a part of you. And that's why, again, I never wrote a book and why sometimes you're quite careful because reflection is a good thing, right? You need to look back on actually, you get a better perspective of things. You get a better view when you completely take the emotion out. I'm still, I imagine if you're Dylan, there's still a lot of motion, emotion in there, right? Did he retire at the right time? Um, he'll be thinking about the different relationships that he had. He did, you know, he didn't make a hundred caps. I'm sure that that was a goal for him. Everything that he had to deal with, but that sport, unfortunately, yeah. that's rugby. That you know, there isn't the loyalty that people think. There just isn't. I don't care what anyone says. Show me, show me where it really is. It's a business at the end of the day, and we've seen that in the la- if the last year doesn't show you that, with everything that's happened at Saracens, with everything that's happened around the salary cap with everything that's happened now in terms of the amount of games that are having to be condensed with the Lions tour that's that's coming up with it, which is going to make a significant amount of money. Is player welfare, are these things at the front of the, front of the mind? No. Eddie Jones is going to get judged on winning games, winning World Cups. And if that means that a player's fucked, a player's fucked. Like, and ultimately it's harsh. And I, I hate it. And I kind of battle myself all the time in terms of my kids playing rugby and do I want them to make a, li- a living off it? How would have I done things differently? You know, why wasn't I treated the same way, you know, Marrow was treated or George was treated at Saracen? I, you know, I battle these things in my mind, but ultimately it doesn't matter. You know, Dylan's had an amazing career. You know, he's a great ambassador regardless of the past kind of history, that, you know, discrepancies around discipline that he has. He's been a great ambassador and he had a great innings. I think the thing with it as well, when you're talking about it, Jim, is, and everything you're saying is right, but... The other way of looking at it is these players who are in that environment, and Dylan was one of them, Dylan was the leader, was he or did he have the ability at the time to say the things he's saying now? Probably not, because he's thinking to himself, if I air these grievances now, I'm going to get dropped. So there's 25 grand a week gone from each England game. You make these decisions along your career, you fight the battles that you think you've got the ability to have a decent positive impact on, um, and other times you put up and shut up, and that's life, isn't it, really? In every job that we do, you have to fight your battles that you think you're going to win when you're trying to create you know, what you feel is you know, the destiny of a team or whatever, and when you've got a head coach who is someone as mentally strong and as um, sort of authoritarian as Eddie Jones is, there's little wins you can get, I'm sure, but the big wins, like in every player, you get to the end of a career, some players will look at, and some people will look at Dylan's book now and they'll say, he's saying these things now, it's easy to say it now because he's retired, but it's the right thing for him to do, it's the truth, he's out of that environment, it's not going to affect his selection, it's not going to affect his bank balance on the top of it, and it is brutal saying that. I was in an England camp where I didn't agree. You know, Dave Allred was the kicking coach, who was Johnny's, um, Johnny Wilkinson's kicking coach, made Johnny what he was, but that worked really well for Johnny Wilkinson. Didn't work for Charlie Hodgson, who's a good mate of mine, and Jim's, and, you know, didn't necessarily work for me. But we played the game in camp and we were sort of sat, sat there 
And we, we'd have conversations about it going, I don't know what the fuck he's trying to teach us here. Like he's saying buzzwords to us and I'm like, I don't know what it means. But in my own mind, I've sat there and just thought, I'm just going to nod because if I question him, you know, does he think I'm not as good as Johnny Wilkinson? Well, of course, we all know I wasn't. But if you question the coach because you don't get it and you don't want to question him too much because that might Im- impact on selection, you just put up and shut up, don't you? And and that's the that's the world we live in. Whatever job you do, certain things you can try and change slowly. There's certain things you can change straight away by saying stuff. And there's th- certain things that with a head coach like Eddie Jones, you ain't ever going to win. And if he believes the intensity of training and the way they need to do things is right to win games at the weekend. He's had a pretty decent record, hasn't he? So he, that players are treated like pieces of meat. And um, unfortunately, that's the world we live in. Well, we'll start dissecting some of the games that happened over the weekend. Uh, but first of all, I'd say that, you know, rugby followed in other sports um, and addressing the issues of racism and the slogan rugby against racism seemed to be one that everyone could get behind. And what did you make of um, some teams doing different things pre-match along with um, there also being splits within the teams as well? Yeah, it was really interesting uh, to watch it unfold. We knew that something was going to be done. I'm not too sure in terms of heads up what the club's got from what I'm hearing it was a little bit last minute and anyone who watched the games at the weekend would have seen the emotion behind it but not just the you know the games at the weekend the last few months of watching everything unfold and I've been at home with kids and stuff like that and watching it all unfold and having discussions with them in-house so I think it's right absolutely that as a sport and I say that as a sport because that's what we're talking about but in life as general that we get behind it there's no absolutely no room for racism and I know we're all taking a stance on it now it's been spoken about more publicly and there's different ways in which you can show that and I think from what I'm hearing is that Premier Rugby had chats with the club in terms of what they were going to do in terms of showing unity and showing showing solidarity towards that and naturally there's going to be questions and, and if anyone listened to Ugo uh, for BT Sport you know, he mentioned about Lou Diego for example from from Sale that he won't be taking a knee he'll be staying stood and you know there was the iconic vision of uh, one of the uh, Dupree brothers having his um, hand on Marlon Yard's shoulder and they dealt with it differently but the more I've kind of learned about the way that the clubs went about it that it wasn't a universal decision it was spoken about within the clubs we saw the extra chiefs all stood up uh, but I think it's right I think you know I think it's right that as a game that we show our solidarity and unity towards such a difficult subject to talk about sometimes I think that's ultimately what it comes down to and I think that when people are talking about why some players stood and what some, some players um now then you should probably ask ask them but from what I hear about and speaking to some South African friends about it it was a lot of the South African lads chose not a lot of them all the South African lads chose to stay stood and that's a religious stance for them that they only kneel for God so there's a part of it where you're trying to show solidarity but there's also respect to each and everyone's kind of views around it but I think that everyone will agree anyone that I've spoke to and you, you've seen how everyone's come together that there's no absolutely no room for racism in sport but ultimately in life yeah I completely agree and the message that you know was rugby against racism is exactly the right message obviously some people uh, and some clubs were sort of more vocal and more supportive of the Black Lives Matter movement that people have discussed. You know, some people feel that's been politicised and also some people feel that that has shown some traits of racism or anti-Semitic comments as well on the way. So that's perhaps why not everyone wanted to get behind one specific 
um, sort of stand where you say you're taking the knee. And you've got to leave it down to each individual. I think it was perfectly handled. Um, you know, like Jim says, people are looking at South Africans and saying none of them took the knee. That's because they're racist. And I've seen that on social media, which is absolutely the wrong way of looking at it. And I actually pulled someone up on Twitter about it saying, how about instead of just pinpointing that, why don't you say everyone's united and fighting against racism, rugby against racism? And Jim's right. There's no place for it in our society, whether it's rugby, school, in life in general, in the workplace, wherever. But Jim's just made the point there, which not many people have made the point around that South Africans didn't take a knee because it's a religious stance and they only take it for God. But that then brings in a whole nother set of issues for other people that perhaps don't have the same religious beliefs as the South Africans. So where some people said, oh, Premiership Rugby should have led from the front and should have said everyone is going to do this. If they're saying everyone take a knee, first and foremost, you're going to have problems because people might not agree with that. They all agree, without a shadow of a doubt, in rugby against racism. But then if you say, actually, we're all going to stand or we're all going to join arms or create a huddle, then there'll be players that want to take a knee. So you can't appease everyone by making one decision. And ultimately, you can't force people to do something they don't want to do. You want it all to be inclusive and you want everyone's buy-in because the message is strong. The message is rugby against racism. And you know every person, every individual should be allowed to uh, portray their feelings on that and the support it in a way they want to and not get forced to do one thing or another. So, uh, you know, I think everyone has made the message very clear. Um, I agree that each club could have a discussion. And I know that some players at some clubs took a knee for supporting other players in their team. So I think it's been well handled. I think everyone has got a very clear message now and there should be no politicising anything, whether people took a knee, whether people didn't take a knee. It's not one size fits all here except for the fact that the one-size-fits-all is that everyone is behind the fact that rugby is against racism. And, of course, things got started and kicked off at the Stoop on Friday night. How disappointed were you guys with with Sale? We thought they were going to run over the top of the teams, didn't we? With Sale or rugby in general? Mate, hell of a game. There was one one game was a hell of a game. The rest, (laughs) we might come to it later, but, yeah. I I don't want to be horrible, but you've got to state the facts. I don't want to sit here and say um, most of the games. I watched most of them at the weekend. It was an amazing watch, but you kind of knew that anyway. You look at Baxter's comments and stuff without the crowds. And the interesting thing for me watching the games, if we you know we talk about the Friday night, there was a lot obviously that went on before. There was a lot of motion in the build up, and anyone who watched it on TV, watched it on BT Sport, you hear the crowd that's been manufactured and overlaid over the top. I actually thought that the crowd was in the stadium, so that noise is going out over the tannoys, but apparently it's not apparently it's deadly silent in there which I actually would have quite liked to have watched the game in silence to hear all the interactions maybe not because there'd be a lot of swearing I'm sure but um look you know if if you look at the game it it was in the lead up to it sale everyone was talking about them we obviously had Simon Orange on last week the big signing of Manu Tuolangi but they just didn't turn up did they if we're going to talk frankly about it Steve Diamond said that it was a long trip down uh, and it's tough, isn't it? And we spoke about it for you because you look at the standard of the games and anyone who watched the Aotearoa tournament down in New Zealand, it took two or three games to get going with the amount of penalties and the, the stuff around the breakdown. And, um, you know, they're not new. They're not new laws around the breakdown. Uh, it's just being made sure that they're refereeing it properly for once. And um, guys are keen, but 
look, it's going to take two or three games to get into the swing of things. But I, to be fair, I actually thought fucking Quinns looked really good. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I genuinely do. And there's a couple of teams that looked really, really good. Wasp being one and we'll come hey, on to them. He's a fan. Hey, he's a man. fan. I always said top four, mate. Always said. <laughs> um, but Quinns as well, mate. Do you know what I mean? Quinns looked bloody good. Marcus Smith looked great at 10. Um, yeah. That's a big win for them. For sale, you'd be pretty pissed off, wouldn't you? Because you've made a load of noise around it. You've got some amazing signs. You've got Faftaclerk. You've got um, Lou Diego playing. Manu Tulang, you've signed. Bloody, bloody, blah, blah. But again, you've got to give all credit to Quinns. I, kn- I knew I knew they'd come through. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jim, you're not a turncoat at all, are you? But yeah, listen, you know, Steve Diamond said they didn't get off the bus. Um, you know, there's big expectations, big noises around them. And I'm sure, you know, that their game will be up this weekend. They play extra at home. Um, it will just be like a normal game for sale, to be honest, with no fans in the stadium. Got no um, fans. You've got no fans. But ultimately, yeah, he'll be disappointed. And, you know, they'll have a pretty tough tra- training week. Um, you know, Dimes will be given some pretty stern home truths. But they'll bounce back. They've got a quality squad there. And the battle every week is going to be topsy-turvy, getting into this top four. Um, you know, also pushing for top six, qualification for next year's Champions Cup. And, you know, it's it, Quinns are in the mix. Let's not beat around the bush. Guzzi has said he's got players back fit. Mike Brown's back fit. Um, he was injured for huge parts of the earlier um, segment of the season. There's other guys in that Quinns team that have come back. You know, Landajo played nine, played unbelievably well, got man of the match. Danny Kerr's injured. So they have got the makings of a decent squad at Quinns and the ability to um, perhaps push towards top four. Um, they do go to their nemesis or Saracens nemesis. I can't work out which way it goes this weekend um, in, in Saracens. And, you know, the Sharks have got to play extra at home. So every week there's going to be big talking points around which team's made a move. And Sale, have, 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 they've got a losing bonus points, so it's not all doom and gloom. But, you know, they didn't fire any shots. And as Dime said, they were still on the bus. Come kickoff time. Exeter still look like the team to beat, don't they? Yeah, and there's a different pressure on Exeter now, I think. Uh, you know, I think everyone's expectation, and obviously by looking at the league table, Exeter will finish more than likely first, worst case scenario, second for me. So they're going to finish first. They're going to get a home semi-final, which by then we may have crowds. Everyone knows how difficult it is to go and win at Sandy Park in a knockout game. Their challenge, and I wrote a column for Rugby Pass on it last week, their challenge is a mental challenge around winning the final. You know, they've been to the last four finals. They got dusted by Saracens on three of those occasions. They beat Wasps in a game they should have lost, but you know they squeak over in the last minute of extra time to win it. So it's a hurdle for them because it's always been Saracens as the favourites to win the final, but everyone kind of wants Exeter to win it if you're not a Saracens fan. This year, there's an expectation that it's Exeter's to lose. So it's a different mental process and they'll just keep going about their business in the league and, you know, they'll finish in the top two. You know, I'd, if I had a mortgage, I'd put it on the fact that they'll be in the final. Whether they win it or not is another question, but they do look good. Hoggy's hair, I mean... On point. Wow. I mean, and you, and you look at it, you know, everyone talks about Exeter as this pick and goo team, the driving mall, you know, they're very good when they get into the 22 take their opportunities but first phase try that they scored was lovely Hoggy gets around the outside intricate little play no one's talking about that um, no one's talking about the fact that George Ford you know, stayed on the defender he shouldn't have stayed on because he didn't want to make a tackle but well, let's not go there Jim Man, I actually thought George Ford played really well he, played, like, he, did, he did play really well but he's a, he's a liability in defence <laughs> okay. but mate look, you know, if we're talking about George Ford and Leicester I actually I was pumped to see Leicester turn up the way that they did do you know what I mean they were never going to win that game 
like you look at the, the two sides, the quality, how settled Exeter are. They're at home at Sandy Park. But I was well impressed with Leicester. The physicality, the energy that they showed, um, the way that they uh, defended the mall at times. Um, I know that they switched off a couple of times for a couple of tries and, you know, th- about three of them got sicked on by COVID. Um, Cowan Dickey, can you even say <laughs> yeah. that? I don't even know. Oh, don't even know. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'll, I'll puke Cowan Sicky. Mate, I'll tell you what, mate. Hey, just run on there with a the mask, mate. Make sure that everyone else is protected. But anyway, mate, I was... Well, you know, I, Leicester's got a place in mine and Goody's heart. They, they've had a load of changes, some big noises coming out of there with Borthwick. But for the first time, and everything you're hearing about Leicester is that they want to go back to type, right? So they want to go back to the scrum. They want to go back to them. All these things that are in their identity, in their D- DNA. And you actually look at the squad and you're like, well, can they really do that? Well, I'll tell you what, with, against the best in the league, I thought they did. I thought they were, they they looked really physical at times, got a few turnovers at more time, their scrum looked good. The issue they did have, though, was a classic Jim Hamilton issue, wasn't it? Pens, man. Um, Pens, yeah. They gave 16 on the spin, 16 penalties on the spin away at one point. So, um, and that kills them, you know. And it's again, it's going back to getting used to the new interpretations of how the same laws are being refereed by the referees. Um, you know, look at Dan Cole. There's one with Dan Cole where he's flopped over to win a penalty for holding on. And Barnsley did a little piece on it yesterday, didn't he? On uh, on BT Sport five years ago, that might have been a penalty. You know, he's not supporting his body weight. It's clear and obvious for the referees, and players have just got to adapt. But Jim's right. It's great to see a bit of gnarly attitude around a Leicester team. The squad, again, and for reasons around finances, doesn't look like a top-four squad still. There are some star-quality players in it, but they are trying to promote youth um, and push through some of the youngsters. So it's not just the here and now. It's hopefully building under Borthwick for quite a few years. So some positive, some, some positive noises from Leicester, but ultimately top table at the minute is extra chiefs and the one thing i did like though and I, I, I taught coley this a few years back back in my heyday i say heyday it was the end of my career when i was playing for wasps we're playing against leicester and coley had given a penalty away and i just tried to help him off the floor by pulling his shirt up and revealing his belly he's obviously taught ellis gensh to do that because he did it to johnny gray i didn't realize johnny gray had a little muffin top jim yeah likes the carbs apparently well not apparently <laughs> mate clearly alleged. does clearly does mate i know Exactly. So I, I did have a chuckle at that. Mate, characters, eh? Maybe that's why Karen Dickey was sick. Was that before or after? I think it was after. <laughs> yeah, that's why. I think he, he he saw that. Johnny touched him and he was... Yeah. <laughs> Imagine being sicked on in a game by accident. My goodness, mate. Well, especially now. Especially today's day and age. That's what I mean. Well, You know, if, if, if we can't joke about it we'd cry wouldn't we but I mean you talk about everything that's in place and you've got someone being sick on another player like literally <laughs> literally, literally, literally I mean it was a sick try though uh, yeah it was and the new regime at Gloucester got off to a good start didn't it yeah it did and obviously uh, one of Jim's previous clubs um, l- listen that you going away to Worcester and they were in a bit of a fight to start off with and then massive game changer Nanai um, not only once but twice you know first of all throws a shoulder at Johnny May Johnny May's down. He bounces back into the defensive line and does the same again. I can't remember who he, he does it to the second time, but what's he tackling like that for? <laughs> Mate, <laughs> mental. Just chucking shoulders around. I mean, he was obviously excited to be back on the field and he's not the biggest bloke ever, but he was trying to throw his... 62 kilos around and um, caught the old Johnny May. Mate, the poor chicken, mate. The poor chicken. uh, You know, you don't want to joke about stuff like that, but he's on the floor pecking seeds. I mean, (laughs) poor lad. The poor lad. You know, that's genuinely what you think, don't you? Because, like, again, with everything that's happened, right, in the last couple of years around referees' decisions, 
players taking other players out of the air, these high shots which all kind of stem from Will Spencer's one for Leicester, as you remember last year, and we're debating about it. We've got to a point now, right, where it's hard enough to referee games and it's hard enough to watch games where players have been sent off. You're watching that and you're and I've given I've given away some stupid penalties in my life. I ain't given away a penalty or put my team in a situation off the back of doing something that ridiculous. We can't hide, hide away from it. That was absolutely ridiculous, right? What You said it. What is he doing? And then you go down to 14 men. How good a Gloucester? We don't know. Yeah. Worcester well, no, 14 that, men. Yeah. And, and actually, Worcester looked very good to start off with until Nanai got sent off. And, you know, Sips then pulled the strings. You're playing against 14 men, especially in the backs. If you lose, sometimes... If you lose a forward to a red card, it's a lot easier to, as a team, to compensate for that. When you lose a back, you know, you've got set-piece plays, scrum plays, whatever, manipulating the back three, there's a lot more space out there. So, you know, Sips played well at 10. Um, he needed to after the changes that he's made at the club. Um, Alex King is just arriving there this week, so he'll he'll add big impetus as well in terms of the attack. But yeah, you just don't know where Gloucester are at. We don't know where any team's at, to be fair. Um, so yeah, good start for George Skivington. Um, interesting start for Worcester, obviously, and even more interesting. And I might come on to it later. Donkey, wear me old screech. What from Saved by the Bell? What are you thinking? At what point do you look at yourself in the mirror before you're about to walk out? Say to yourself, "I am ready," without <laughs> without laughing and thinking, "My God, what do I look like?" When I wake up in the morning and the da da da, I can't remember the words to to Saved by the Bell actually, but I used to love that program. But yeah, uh, bizarre from from Donkey Weir. Maybe it was a bet. Maybe it was a bet. It must have been a bet. Bristol uh, kept their good form as well, didn't they? But Series ran them pretty close. Bristol's. Or- Bristol's again gutted by the match. It weren't great, was it? It weren't a classic. Um, Pat Lamb said it was kind of always going to be that way. He apologised to his family before the match because he knew it was going to be a bit of a kicking fest. Uh, Rad Randro, we never got to see him. We got, I mean, we got to see him after the game. Did you see him with his shirt off in the change room when they were singing. Uh, I mean, how big? My mate, he's got like a ten pack. My absolute goodness me. Um, so I paused that um, when I saw Bristol post that video up online. Did you show Beck? Absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not. Because like I have this thing, like it's like with Tom Evans, for example. If we see, I just say he's on steroids. If he looks that good, I'm like that ain't natural. But I mean, what a shite game. We have to be honest. It, it weren't great, was it? No, a lot of it was to do with the weather. Let's not beat around Jim's bush. Um, you know, the weather, it was tipping down with rain. So, and you're playing against a Saracens team that play a, a specific brand of rugby. And you know, you know, against Saracens, you're going to be risk averse. The difference for me was it was good to see Bristol nut out of a, a tough victory. So it's not all about the Randrandras, the Piatows, all these boys. You know, it's actually the nuts and bolts of winning a, a tough game against a top team. And the other difference was back in the day when Saracens, I hate to bring it back up again, but I will. When they were breaking the salary cap, they could empty a bench of having, you know, George Cruz, Skelton, you know, all these big names come off the bench. They haven't got that anymore, have they? So they haven't got those massive people that can come in, you know, world-class stars to, to win a game that they were banging contention of winning anyway. So it's it's a leveller. Um, you know, was it a penalty try? Jamie George, 100% it was for me. Yeah, there, there, was, there was an argument on the other end. Should it have been a penalty try to Saracens to win the game at the death as well? But... Um, you know, I agreed that was just a penalty and a yellow card, not a penalty try. The big thing about Bristol, and you mentioned it there, was like digging out a win, was their set piece. Obviously, the try that won them the game, Jamie George, the one that you just mentioned there, got simbined. The fact that Saracens had a line out in the last minute of the game to potentially try and drive over and win. 
Luatua gets up, I think, or Vui gets up in the air and, and turns it over off Marrow. These are the things, right, for Bristol, which will make them a top four, top European side, and to win trophies, right? You look out the back, uh, Piatau in the centre, my goodness me, can that man tackle a man. Did you see him? Absolutely smoking Billy yeah. off the kickoffs and stuff like that. You've got Piatau at 15. We all know about him, his brother, Charles Piatau, multimillionaire, and we spoke about Rand Randra as well. The, the big thing, again, was set piece. And regardless of who Saracens want to bring on off the bench, look who they started with. Maka Vunapola, Jamie George, Vincent Cock, Maru Atoji. You know, you had Callum Hunter-Hill in, in the mixer there as well. And then you look at Bristol, the team that they started with, and you're actually thinking, oh, I can see it now. Like, without us jumping on the bandwagon of Ran Randra and Piatau, look, you know, look at the scrum with a foe who's just signed, signed a long-term deal. Then you bring on Sinclair. Then you bring on Harry Thacker. They're a quality team, mate. Once it gets going properly and the sun comes out, oh my Bristol's is all I'm saying. Bristol's. Did we want to talk about Wasps at all? I know Jim nah, mentioned nah, it. Nah, nah, nah. Let's not talk about them. <laughs> Do you still think they're not a top four side? Yeah, go yeah. on, James. No, go on, James. I, mate, under Die Young, I couldn't see it. Under Die, <laughs> <laughs> under Die Young, I couldn't see it. The difference with Wasps, you tell me what you think in, in kind of one or two words, Goody, what you think the difference is, and I'll give you my expert opinion. Well, I think they've always, it's probably belief, really, a lot of it. Um, that They've always had that ability to be clinical and, and attack sharply. You know, you saw the first try from Josh Bassett, um, and it's it's a confidence thing. It's a free-flowing energy. You know, you look at the back row. So when I said two words, that's what I, that's what I wanted you to say. Oh, I okay. wanted you to say back row, because I'll give my superficial opinion. I know you're about to give a long-winded one there because you're more passionate about it. That back row, Thomas Young is a phenomenon. Ridiculous player. Mate, I've, said it, he, I've said it for years. We ha- mate, he, he is so good. He doesn't look like he, he should be that good, but he is so good. And Jack, Will, 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 every time I say Jack Willis, I Willie. think of Wilson. I think, no, I think of Wilson from Castaway. I don't know why. Maybe yeah. he looks like, maybe he looks like the ball. Um, he is ridiculous, right? Well, imagine him. So let's talk about Jack Willis. Semi-final, and I don't know whether you played in it, Jim, or you were still at Saracens. The semi-final a few years back at uh, Allianz Park, he ruptures pretty much everything in his knee. He just got his knee planted. It was ugly as anything. He was supposed to go on the England tour to South Africa, I think it was, that summer. He's come back. The positions he gets himself in, having literally had his knee snapped off a few years back and winning turnovers where he's actually supporting his own body weight, he's redonkulous. And you talk, you know, people talk about that there was big things at the weekend about after his performance, you know, should he be in the England squad as he missed his opportunity? He's young as anything. And the fact is, there's Curry, there's Underhill. We've got a plethora of unbelievable fetchers, open sides, sixes slash sevens or sevens slash sixes. He's one of them. He's ridiculously good. And the new interpretation of the breakdown laws suit Thomas Young and Jack Willis beyond belief. So it's a good start for us. Um, we're in the top four, Jim. You thought we were going to be relegated or something like that. Your team's got relegated. Oggy, oggy, oggy. <laughs> wasps, wasps, wasps. Wasps, wasps, wasps. Mate, I'm well happy for wasps. Genuinely. Thank you. Before, mate, I am. And, um, mate, Jack Willis, for me, he he has got a real opportunity to go all the way. Lines tall. Mate, there you go. Like You, do, you don't want to preempt it. Do you know what I mean? And there's a couple of people that need to rock up. Obviously, the, the competition with Curry in and around that back row, but it's the interpretations of the breakdown, right? Against South Africa, what do they want? They want front football. So where do you stop? They stop it dead at the breakdown. And we all know that Curry can do that. I had Underhill in my team to, to play. I had Billy. You know, Billy's under pressure. 
Do you know what I mean? Because there's players now. We know that Eddie will play Tom Curry at eight. You could put a Willis into that back row with an Underhill or a Laws or a Marrow or whatever you wanted to do. Just all out ruggers, mate. Come yeah, on, ruggers. wasps. Love it. Yeah, there we go. I'm glad you're supporting us now, Jim. It's interesting. You know, I mentioned belief. And you, sometimes you change a coach and you, you, you tweak a few things. Um, I know they've changed the new... Um, fitness coach Dan Barr's left he's gone to the Newport Went Dragons and Pete Atkinson who we used to be involved with at Leicester Tigers has come in I know he's made a big difference is he gone to Wasps yeah yeah. From I was, Italy. With, I was with him in Italy yeah, he's, left, him in Italy. he's left Italy he's back to Wasps he's come to Wasps oh my well, mate he lived in one of the best places in the world in Treviso now he's moved to Cov can you yeah. imagine <laughs> yeah so they've made a big impact as well not that Dan Barr wasn't but sometimes you know, Dan Barr was a brilliant S&C coach but Certain things change. And then we've got Ian Dowie. I mean, sorry, Lee Blackett as the head coach now, who looks a spitting image of Ian Dowie. Mate, I think he looks like Boris Johnson. And also Leo Collin. You can stick yeah. him in there. As yeah. this, you know, and I, I, I've, I've got to know Lee Blackett reasonably well. He's a good bloke. Um, I'm going to play golf with him in a couple of weeks, hopefully. You know, he, he's just giving him confidence. And he talks a bit like that, you know, just just play rugby and, and throw a ball around, you know. He sounds and, like Peter Kay. <laughs> yeah, he does, yeah. So uh, it's just a bit of confidence, really. And that's, you know, a brilliant start to coming back into the, the suspended season. One thing I want to ask you, Jim, I put it on Twitter. Of course I did. Did you see that Naira Voro stamp on um, Launchbury's head as he's trying to get out of the tackle? And I, I, I put it on Twitter. I put it on Twitter and I thought, I'm going to say the right thing here. I'm going to say, should the sighting officer, this could be looked at, or was it an accident? It could have been an accident. Which one are you in the camp of? The more I watch it, he shooed him in the head. Well, the more I watch it, the more that I think that he did do that. But again, that's you're watching it time and time again. I've got something in my head. Without you saying it, I know what you're saying. I, do, I, I mean, I, I can't see it. I can't see that he's... He's done that. I, I just think they, these games, right, that's why I'm so surprised around the Worcester red card is it must be so weird playing in these games, right, with no fans and the kind of build-up and I just don't know how you could do something like that when the, you, you've not got the same kind of external energy. I'm just thinking of times where I've been ridiculous and lost my head. It's because Literally I've, got every the, game. I've got all the fans screaming my name. So it's kind of like, <laughs> I just got, I just went into a haze. Uh, but no, Ivora, that is, that he's not got that in him. He's not got history of I don't think, like that, I don't think he it? has, but you, but you look, no, he hasn't. He's never, I don't think he's ever stamped on anyone's head in his life, but you look at it and it didn't look natural for me to stamp backwards. You, when you're trying to break out of a tackle, the, what you're doing with your foot, your momentum is to try and pull it forwards, not stamp it backwards. Nah, he's, he's all right. And then the one other thing I need to touch on, I said it before, my favourite player, old Fekitoa Willie. I my, mean, my oh, goodness me. That boy can hit, can he? My goodness me. I thought he was Papa Nui. I thought he was like a Willie Lapu. No, he, mate, he's you know, awesome. He's my goodness me. Him and Gopeth, right? I mean, but Fekatoa. Fraser Fraser Dingwell got emptied about four mate, times. Mate, he got he got ding donged, mate. Get it? Dingwell. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. got absolutely ding. <laughs> he got absolutely dinged, mate. I mean, it weren't a great pass, let's be honest. But uh, Fekatoa, mate. I tell you now, it's Eddie Wands. If you were to call it now, right? And we're watching and we're watching the games unfold. You got no fans. Uh, the breakdown. It's going to take two or three weeks, right, to get to half decent level. Who would you say? Let's go all the way to the final. Who do you think will win it? Exeter versus Wasps in the final. You genuinely believe that? Hand on nipple. <laughs> Here we go. Hand on nipple or finger hand, on nipple. Hand on udder. Oh, how sweaty <laughs> is that bit there? Um, I think, I mean, Exeter are dead certs to get to the final. I want, obviously, I want Wasps to get there and I think they've got a chance. Uh, probably Bristol's. The Randrandra factor, you can't get away from it. He is rid- ridiculous. I think Bristol might win it. There you go. 
Well, you're hopeful that maybe Wasps might win it, and so probably too is former Wasps legend Ashley Johnson, uh, who you caught up with, didn't you, Gertie, for our Superfans monthly subscription service? Certainly did. Have a listen to this. We're chatting today on the 25th anniversary of South Africa winning the World Cup in 95. Joel Stransky's got drop goal to win it. Um, where were you watching that game and how much of an impact did it have on the country at the time? Because ultimately there were the apartheid issues prior to that. Um, and how much did that unite the country? Yeah, I think that I was back, I was, I was what is that, like uh, seven years old, seven, eight years old. So I can I can really remember it quite well. Um, I remember my dad went to the to the first game in Cape Town where we beat Australia, actually. And I remember thinking to myself, I was like, I really want to go to this game. So he was really fortunate to go to the Newlands game. And obviously we won Australia. And you can kind of already feel at that point, people's buzzing. My dad was talking about like, listen here, we've just beaten Australia. There's a bit of a buzz going on. And obviously that whole build up, that lead up, um, Chester wasn't playing. So it was a bit of deflating because he got injured prior to that World Cup. And then I remember obviously things happened um, um, and he got a late call up. And obviously against Samoa, he scored the four tries. And now, like, you can, you can relate to someone. I've seen Chester. He's been at my school. He's, 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 he's spoken to, to my, to my um, school. So you can relate to someone. And, and that was awesome. I think, I think um, you've got all these people, Nelson Mandela, everyone. For me personally, I think he made a massive difference because he was the one player that kind of looked like me at that time. And I can really re- relate to him. And then obviously, when, when it came to the final, for them to kind of do what they actually did, it just kind of united, united the, the, the country again. And to be honest with you, Goody, like that type of stuff like fills gaps and fills emotions. And there's still a lot of far away we as a country need to go. Uh, as you can see in the world, people need to go. But the one thing in our country in South Africa that unites people is definitely rugby. And last year with Sia and them, Winning, winning the World Cup was just, again, another another um, great chance for us to unite as a country. There you go. Just head to patreon.com forward slash the rugby pod if you like the sound of that. And a big thanks to everyone who supports us on there. Uh, this season, we will be adding even more content to Patreon. And it's only a few quid a month for loads of extra interviews and features. And we couldn't do all that without you. So a massive thanks to everyone who signed up already. Just head to patreon.com forward slash the rugby pod if you want to sign up. Well, we'll get into some more rugby in a minute, but it's time for Jim's favourite feature. Jim, you teased us last week with a big development this week. What is it? What's going on, mate? Well, I don't know what the development is. Um, I'm waiting. Goody's going to do the big reveal, the big revel. Uh, But yeah, this is my segment. I love it. I'm not very good at it. Riddle me this, guys. Riddle me that. Jim will solve it. Hit me. Who is it? Is someone coming on? Yeah. Well, I, I teased you last week, didn't I? We felt we needed some help. We felt we needed um, you to have a bit of brain power along the way. And what better person, what better woman than friend of the show, Carol Vorderman? Wow. She's going to be reading your riddles, Jim. She, oh, she might great. even help you out with a few. They oh, might even mate. become a little bit mathematic as well along the way oh, to challenge goodness. Mrs. Good. So, um, yeah, great news. We've got Carol Vorderman coming on to talk through your riddle, Jim. Mate, I, I tell you, hey, if I wasn't under pressure before in my own household, I'm under pressure now. Thank you. <laughs> How are you, boys? We're very good. How have you been in lockdown? Uh, good, actually, yeah. So good. Everything's good. And I've just um, got the house in Cardiff, so I am within hearing 
uh, distance of the stadium when it roars. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to come. We'll have to come down for a sleepover and a game there and watch the watch yeah. England beat Wales again. Well, <laughs> delighted that you're joining us, and um, you know you're going to help out Jim with a bit of a riddle, aren't you? Because he does struggle, bless him. Jim loves a riddle, and I did think about giving him a maths riddle because I know how good he is at numbers, aren't you, Jim? He had a very good maths yes, teacher, Carol. Yes, yes. Did he? Yeah, Goody's mum. Goody's mum was my teacher at school. My maths no teacher. way! Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's why he, he's not very good. You can't blame your mum for that. So I thought what I do, what I do, Jim, is because I thought I'd, I'd make this easy for you and not do a numbers one to start with. Thank you're you. doing it every week for us, aren't you, Carol? I am. I'm going to do it every week, but they might get tougher. So you ready? Sit back, relax, Jim. Here I can't. I'm sweating. <laughs> What have you got on? It's hot out there. Not in Scotland. Not in Scotland. <laughs> That's a good point, actually. That's a good point. Okay, you're listening. Here's the riddle. Riddle number one. What comes once in a minute, twice in a moment, but never in a thousand years? Oh, Jim. Can you just redo it, please? <laughs> Why? Okay. What comes once in a minute, twice in a moment, but never in a thousand years? What comes once in a minute, twice yeah. in a moment, but yeah. never in a thousand years? Never, ever in a thousand years. I feel, so I'm actually sweating now. I feel under pressure, <laughs> Carol, with you here. You've got to think what? outside the box with this one, Jim. It's because he's got three hoodies on. That's why he's sweating. Go on. So what comes once in a minute, twice in a moment, moment but... Never in a thousand years. Chocolate? Explain well, <laughs> <laughs> it. How? Let's just talk, talk us through your thought process yeah, with that, Will, Jim. I feel it in, in such under pressure now, it's ridiculous. How, how, does, how does chocolate work for that one? Can we, can we there just... was a chocolate called Minute, wasn't there? Minute chocolate? What's there? Look at the sweat on your face. Yeah, oh, the panic. Genuinely, genuinely <laughs> I feel under pressure. This is more pressure than he's ever been under, Carol, because of your influence is, here. Yeah. This is the hardest one. This is the hardest one this ever. This is the easy one. Right, Jim, have a look at the words. I'll give you a hint. Have a look Go at the then. words. So what? let me just read it again. What comes once in a minute? Yeah. What do you mean once? What comes once in a minute? Yeah. Shall I give you a clue? Yes, please. Jim's about five seconds normally, but there we go. Okay. So, oh, when yeah, I was yes. on Countdown, I did the numbers game and I did the letters game. Yeah. Oh. What comes once in a minute, twice in a moment, but never in a thousand years? Consonant. Consonant. Yeah, it is no? a consonant, but which consonant? Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. So consonant, Carol. I thought you said I you're incontinent then, Jim. I thought you said you're incontinent. No, I'm not. Yeah, I might, I might be. I might be. I'm struggling. I'll be honest. What comes once Okay, so consonant. Consonant, consonant. So um, A-E-I-O-U. What's that called? What's that again? A vowel. A vowel. I was going to say noun. That's a noun. Carol, you see what I have to deal with here every week. Never in a thousand years. Consonants are all the letters that aren't vowels. So consonant, so there's something in that then. So he didn't have a very good English teacher, let me tell you. M I N. Tell me that was your mother as well. M I N U T E. Yeah. So what? Twice in a moment. Moment. Yes. What? Mum. Mum. Memo. He's getting there. It's it's ticking over the old brain. Oh my Hot word! Cups, one thinner, T, e, T's in, in there. It. Got it. 
What? Go on, Jim. It's uh, it's a letter. Letter. Oh, hold on, we're letter. getting there. It's a consonant. It's a consonant. Yes. Not a continent. No, it's not a <laughs> continent. What comes once in a? Moment. Got it. In Go got on, it. Jim. It's a letter M. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, there it takes go. time. Under pressure, Carol. I am under pressure, and I've just nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Would you say that? Yeah. Nailed it. Genuinely, the millions of millions of listeners out there will not see. They might be able to feel the sweat and the pressure. Yeah, I but, can see the sweat. I can yeah. see the sweat. I can feel yeah. the tension. Exactly. Well, I mean, I'm good at the, um, you know, if you call the letters and the vowels and the consonants and all yeah, that. Yeah, I could tell I'm good that. At that. I'm good at that I'm... once. But these riddles, I'm under pressure. So I, those I two-letter words you'd get, wouldn't you, Jim? Okay, so, so next week, shall I give you a little bit of a clue? to help a bit faster but anyway you got the answer right Jim yeah well this is meant to be my segment Carol yeah I know thank you so these are so when we've been doing the family quizzes at home on zoom and we've been doing the ones you know you jumble all the letters up and stuff like that and one of them's like a movie I've been absolutely nailing them like Lion King and Toy Story and all them ones have you yeah, yeah, he's been he's been he's been playing against his two year old twins. So it's. I was going to say two year old twins. <laughs> and <the dog>. Easy, <laughs> easy. Oh, brilliant! Oh, thank you so well, much, Carol. Um, if you can make sure you change your Welsh shirt and put an England one on for next time. No, I can't put an England one on. Carol, while we've got you, you've got your Welsh shirt on. I think you might have told us before. If you didn't, who is your favourite Welsh player? Well, actually, I'm a big fan of Josh Adams. Yes. Oh. A big fan of Josh Adams because there's something about when he's in the air and scoring yet another try, there's something about how he manages to kind of manoeuvre his body. It's almost like he's, I don't know, got a, a superpower. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's not many of us that can do that. I, I used to do the truffle shuffle, but yeah, he's got absolute <laughs> power, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, he has. He's got a step of swerve the lot, the lot. So uh, Josh fantastic. Adams, your favourite player. He's fantastic. So he's obviously at Cardiff Blues, so I think I'll be going down to the Arms Park quite a bit too. Well, thank you for joining us from your bed, Carol Vorderman. Oh, it's my pleasure. I can go. Can I go back to sleep now? <laughs> yeah, you can do whatever you need to. Great having you on. Thanks, Carol. Bye. See you we'll next, see you next week. See you next week. Yeah. Cheers. Thank you. Lovely woman. Great woman. Great, Great woman. woman. Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah. Sweating. That's the most under pressure I've felt, I think, than when I'm over ball in the final against Exeter, wondering whether this is the biggest moment of my life, whether or not it's going to be a penalty or not. But, you know, the funniest thing about it is, is what's thrown me is Goody's voice has changed when hey. she's come on. Hello. Oh, really? Hello, Carol. Uh, <laughs> hello, Carol. That's my, that's my polite voice, James. Ah, hello. <laughs> it completely thrown me yeah it's probably true it's probably that's completely my polite voice me. Um, it's, my, it's my business voice my polite voice um sweating now jim you were sweating weren't you though? mate genuinely I, I'm, I'm still sweating now it's it, it's more a case of no i used to watch countdown when i was younger but anyway Anyway, I need to finish off the segment. Uh, we probably should have got Carol to do it, but it might not have worked uh, in her Welsh accent. So, Carol, thank you for coming on. Riddle me this, Carol. Riddle me that. I'll say it. You don't say it. We've got another treat for you now because the Guinness Pro 14 gets underway again this weekend. So we've got friend of the show, Ulster and Ireland legend John Cooney is on the line. How are you, mate? 
Thank you. Thanks for having me back. It's good to be back. Cooney. There he is, Cooney. Cooney, Cooney. I haven't heard that in a while. No, I don't think you will for a while either. Can you record it for the game on? <laughs> Mate, how good is his hair look? Mate, it looks great. Looks great. Have you had it done especially for the show? We're mixing up. I'm thinking of whipping out something new for the game on Sunday. Don't. Don't. <laughs> no, just go with the tried and tested the beautiful what works yeah, we'll see I, I'll go in on Thursday I'd say as we did the cheer as we brought you onto the show to the millions of people so the Cooney and basically the Rooney but the Cooney will check Rooney's has been now tell me do you like the Cooney chat you must do I have to be honest I do and it'll be a little bit different now without the crowd this weekend playing and um, a few lads made a couple of jokes that they're, they're recording and pre-recording it so that they can play it if I get any of my kicks. So. Me and Jim can certainly do that for you. We'll do one now if you, if you want. Go on then. Oh, mate, it's brilliant to have you on. Have you, um, have you managed with, with lockdown? I know you've just sort of come back from training and a bit of a COVID test as well, haven't you? How, how have things been for you over in Belfast? Yeah, it was interesting getting, we just got tested there to make sure we can go ahead with playing this week and it's a weird feeling going up your nose that um, it tickles like it's it's a bizarre feeling. But yeah, it's good to be back to some sort of normality. It took what uh, how many months, whatever. I, I found it pretty difficult at the start. It was it was nice to have a couple of weeks off, but for once, probably in my whole career, I actually felt physically um, nearly perfect, where I didn't have any like niggles, which is rare for a rugby player. So it was actually probably a bad timing, um, where I came out of actually COVID with a bit of a niggle, which I've gotten rid of now, but. And it was pretty typical that I go in feeling well and came out feeling bad. I think I kind of overdid it with a bit of training in my garage, a bit too many keepy-uppies where I was kicking the back of my um, ankle and calf a little bit too much. But yeah, it's good to be back around other players. And like I said, having something on the horizon now, playing a game after watching all the, the Premiership games last week, it's, it's kind of nice now, something to look forward to. We're talking about looking forward to stuff. You're going to be our new, poor Cavey, but you're going to be our new Celtic correspondent. How does that feel? Amazing. I, I need to text Cave and say hard luck. Um, <laughs> it was Jim's decision. I'll put it out there. Poor lad. Once he retires, everything gets taken from him. Now, that's why I opened up the two donut shops, I think, so we can get a bit more um, publicity and stuff behind that. Do you know what he said to me, the poor lad? He's been messaging me about he's um, obviously losing his hair. And I'm saying obviously because anyone who's seen him over the last kind of few months would have seen that that's the case. He's been messaging me about either a hair transplant or trying to get involved in sun so what we've said is to kind of boost up the ratings visually aesthetically for the podcast we brought on the man with the best hair in the game which is yourself so he kind of understands the situation to be honest it's a bit of a double whammy isn't it double kicking the balls if he needs a hair transplant there's only one place to come look how good mine looks now john beautiful you're like a young Stuart hog uh he's absolutely hanging as a bloke so uh <laughs> <laughs> oh good stuff so over the last it's one it's, talk- great, it's fine it was brilliant on the weekend yeah it was, oh, it was mate, good it was brilliant brilliant it was good it was good um so over the last five months then you've been training you say in your garage you know you've probably got a big triple garage because uh, yeah. you're the legend of of ulster um how hard was it to train on your own um and how good is it to be back in with the boys and having a bit of banter along the way and telling billy burns how hanging he is too He's somebody who needs a gym in his garage that long. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've always liked training on my own because it's probably to do with that vanity aspect of it. I like to go and do my cheeky curls all the time, stuff like that. So Tops off. I enjoy, 
<laughs> yeah, I, I won't admit anything that goes on in that game. <laughs> <laughs> I have all the windows tinted, so no one can see. And um, yeah, I've always enjoyed doing my own bit of gym. So I found it easy the first few weeks because I knew it was summertime and stuff like that, and I wanted to look good. But it got to about two months in that when it looked like there's no games coming, that I did find it a little bit difficult to find encouragement, and that's probably why I kind of went off on a bit of bit of a wild one. I was practicing football trick shots and kicking football more than I was rugby ball and even NFL went down a rabbit hole of NFL kicking and stuff like that so I think for me to be stimulated I need kind of different things every now and again so it was kind of nice to park rugby and for a couple of weeks and just do that own bit of training or looking up different types of things I could do so yeah I think understanding myself and doing different things kind of helped me. You obviously watch the rugby and I'm sure you watch the news and seeing how everything's unfolding across the world when it comes to rugby. Uh, there's been a few problems, right, in the Prem, a load of stuff around salary reductions, um, you know, the sevens has been disbanded and bloody blah, 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 there's a load of other stuff happening. How have the Irish Rugby Football Union dealt with everything around COVID? Um, I haven't read, I haven't heard too much, it's been quite quiet, but how have they dealt with contracts, with welfare, all them things that have been questioned in the Premiership? Yeah, in fairness to them, they dealt really well. I think the way it's worked out for us is probably one of the best nations in the in the world at the moment in terms of um, wages and cuts and stuff like that. So when you look around at what was happening in England, um, we, we were pretty lucky, I think, because um, even one of my best mates, Noel Reid, ended up uh, leaving Leicester and going to France. So um, I was talking to him a lot around that. And it was quite difficult um, with contracts. And you're even seeing players signing on and haven't even played one game for their club yet. So... Um, it's been, I haven't heard of anyone around here leaving, even though I made the gag myself that um, while I was out with an injury that I was off to France because I'm not signing the contract. Um, but no, um, it's all worked out pretty well. Nobody's leaving, I don't think. So I think uh, we took our time in dealing with it and the RFU didn't put us on too much pressure. And, and they also have a lot of money owning the Aviva and stuff like that. So I think they had a lot of resources they could use. Yeah, they have. And how's uh, Dan McFarlane been? Because uh, we've spoken to Cavey before, we spoke to Billy Burns about what he's like as a guy, his psychology, the way that he deals with the players. Everything I've heard is extremely positive from when he was in Scotland as well. I'm sure that he's probably been a big help to the players individually, collectively during this time. How has he been? Has, has he given you guys anything to kind of work on? Has he had any different kind of training methods that you could do? Because look, ultimately, during lockdown, and we've joked about it, and we're not playing anymore, so it is quite different for us. But as young athletes right you're in your prime you're you know you're almost not blinded to everything that's going on outside but you're you're only thinking about playing rugby right because that's what you do so there's a big psychological element to that especially you know someone like yourself who's playing in the six nations and it stops but what's dan been like about managing players like yourself and the rest of the team yeah he's like you said his background in psychology makes him and that a little bit easier to talk to and it's, it's probably his greatest skills communication and you're probably all like coaches where you're, you're scared to even speak to them or or say how you feel. So he, he was very connected. He, he set up a WhatsApp group called Quarantine pretty early um, in this so that we could all stay connected. And on a Friday of each week after we did all our fitness or whatever, we'd all put in a picture of what we did in that hour, whether it was uh, end up always being a beer or a whiskey. And um, so it was good to stay connected in that way. And it probably escalated the rest of that evening. But um, we all stayed in touch and, and he'd probably check in every couple of weeks to see how you're feeling because... For me and, and people who had people living with them, it, it wasn't too bad. But you think about the couple of fellas who, who are single or live on their own, it, it, it can be quite difficult, especially if, if their family lives a couple of hours away. So I'm pretty sure he, he went out of his way to make sure all those lads felt good, which for a coach to do it kind of makes you feel way more comfortable in, 
in, in the squad and in the environment. Mate, you're talking to two guys that have got twins, so we'd have, we'd have loved a couple of hours just on our own at some point over lockdown, I'm sure. Um, but one of the questions I want to ask you then, you mentioned about you had to send pictures in of what you did, you know, obviously a beer or a whiskey, whatever, but you also mentioned about the training. How did they actually keep up with the training that you were doing, heart rate monitors and all stuff like that? Because what I used to do when I was playing was I'd stick the heart rate monitor around the dog and take the dog for a walk and, and tell her to run. Um, and that was what I then sent into the fitness coach. And I got away with it for about three weeks and then they realized I was taking the piss. But um, how, did they, how did they manage you lot? Yeah, they have to be careful because the whole ruling around working. So you weren't allowed work technically. So they had to kind of leave us be to, to decide what we want to do and try and stay on top of ourselves. So it's kind of, like I said earlier, it's kind of nice to do your own thing. And for that, GPS is... I'm pretty sure my laptop was too old. It was too crap anyway, so I couldn't really use my GPS. So it was a bit like yourself. I I was going and doing my skill or do, trying to do fitness. I ended up doing stupid Rabona trick shots against crossbars and stuff like that. So when I was meant to be doing probably 100-meter sprints, I ended up spending an hour and a half one day doing skills. And on the back of it, I'm pretty sure I hurt myself because I was just there for like three hours doing doing nothing really. So, yeah, it was. they had to kind of wait till the rules around that when we're back kind of actually working is when we kind of got given programs and that's when you could start having meetings again and stuff like that. So it kind of took a couple of months where um, we couldn't really do it properly because that ruling around pay and, and not being actually in a working environment. So the perfect excuse for Marty Moore then, because I, I can't imagine he did too much training over lockdown, did he? <laughs> I think he's come back a little bit worse off. But that has, <laughs> he's, he's... <laughs> I'll, I'll be, I don't want to be horrible. I don't want to be horrible, but I've not seen a man. I've not seen a man uh, in worse shape than Goody. No, I haven't. I, haven't. I should be horrible because he's a quality player. He's dropped terrain, though. He gets through some work, in fairness, though. He just lo- he, that's the thing. He does get through a load of work. He just looks absolutely fucked the whole time when he's doing it. So, no, he's a good player. I do like him. Tell him I was asking for him. He probably don't want to hear off me now I've said that. Did you guys have to be quite careful with how you trained during lockdown and during quarantine? Because I know the media was kind of watching you guys quite closely, weren't they? To make sure that you weren't training together and things like that. Yeah, they, they ran a story where they got two brothers and, and Marty, I think. So technically it was fine. And they put up a story and I'm pretty sure the guy who wrote it made a tenor. That's all he made for that shoot, a tenor. Mate, I'd have written it for a fiver myself, to be honest. <laughs> Why even bother? And tell, tell me now, obviously Mads, Ian Madigan's joined. Um, you know, he's a friend of the show. He came on and talked pretty open and honestly to us um, about 18 months ago. How's he settled in there? I know we mentioned Billy Burns earlier. Obviously, some decent competition there now as well. Yeah, I'm a bit intimidated with Mads' barnet. And it's his, good, in it? His aura as well. He's he's a good-looking bloke. So he looks a bit like yourself, Goody, actually. Kind of uh, hair, hair. Oh, mate, don't, don't do him a, dis, a disservice like this. But the hair, <laughs> the hair maybe, but not the not from the eyebrows down. <laughs> I, tell, I, tell, I tell you about, uh, about Mads as well, uh, Cooney, before you jump on it. The way that he handled himself at Bristol, right, and the situation that he found himself in there and the way that he's spoken about it after, I think that that speaks volumes for the guy because if I was him, I'd be absolutely raging at the situation. Get brought into a team, you know, whether or not he's marquee player or highly paid, whatever, it's neither here nor there in the grand scheme of things. And the poor bloke doesn't play at all. Do you know what I mean? You think you're going somewhere, you're going to be the lead man, you know, yeah. you're going to be in the lead and all that. So, I mean, just following on, probably you're going to talk about it. He's good looking, he's rich, his barnet's on point. You're going to tell me something bad though, that he's come back and he's miserable as sin, aren't you? I played with him since I was probably like 17, 16. So we know each other well um, and he's got that swag. So I think I think he'll, he'll fit in pretty well at the moment. He's been training really well. So it'll be interesting now to see with the strength and depth we have at halfback and um, with Billy going so well and then Bill Johnson as well. 
Um, it just gives that strength and depth that we need um, to kind of compete for championships. And that's something Dan said, especially with Albie Matheson coming in, that we need these players that if we want to compete each week now with 12, 13 games in a row, we need this squad. No, absolutely, mate. And we're talking about that and getting onto the game. I think you got Connor at the weekend at the Aviva. Um, you probably would have watched the Premiership games at the weekend, the, the the Championship down in New Zealand. It's taken a while for them to get going, right? The Premiership games at the weekend weren't great. There was a lot of stuff around the breakdown. How difficult, firstly, is it going to be as a player? You think you play at the Kingspan in front of the amazing support there. You're playing for Ireland in sellout stadiums. And now you're going into competitive games with no fans there, right? So first, you're going to have to deal with that. Uh, has that been spoken about, how you manage that? And Because, it's look, you know, we've been players before, but there's no fans there. Uh, it, it's more difficult, I would say, to get up for a game. It's like a, a training game. Have you spoken about that, having watched the games at the weekend or anything around that? Yeah, we, we actually had a training game on Saturday because the game's Sunday. So we talked about it after that it was that type of atmosphere that we trained in that we're going to have to be ready for a game. And for me personally, and, and Goody would know as a kicker, you practice your kicking in that environment all the time. So I don't see that aspect of the game being any different. Um, if anything, it might be even a little bit easier because sometimes when it does go really quiet in the, in the full stadium, um, it's a little bit more difficult to concentrate. So um, I think on that aspect of it, it will be a little bit easier. But yeah, I, I, we talked about it last year, or maybe a year and a half ago, when we were struggling away form and, and we beat Scarlet away in Europe and one of our best performances. But the week before that, we had driven a, a new mantra that we bring our own atmosphere away and, and we create our own atmosphere. So I, I assume that this week we'll really drive that again then in the Viva that it's about creating our own atmosphere away from home because essentially that's what it's going to feel like with no crowd. So um, I, I can only assume I got kicked out of the leadership group, so I don't really know what the plan is. So I'm just kind of on the outskirts of everything. We did our team photo and I was the bin juice on the far right. So I don't know if I'm going to get booked <laughs> in or what's going on. Well, what's, that, what's happening there? How does the, the, the star man, the scrum off, get kicked out of the leadership group? What have you done? I, no, I'm not, I just didn't get voted. I don't know if I'm so rogue these days that they just leave me be and just let him do what he wants. But I wasn't kicked. I just didn't get voted in again. So maybe I was, oh, it was the players. It was the players. Maybe it's a bit of jealousy about the hairdo and the fact maybe. that you're you're our star man in the rugby pod now. So got a lot of abuse though for the team photo. I was the <laughs> furthest to the right in the second row. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the message they're trying to tell me is. Oh wow! At least you weren't sat at the front with your legs crossed. That's the worst position, I reckon. Uh, yeah, that's all. The, yeah. When you're 26 and you're in the front like that, you're. you're <laughs> Good stuff. Um, obviously, you know, let's talk international rugby as well. Um, there's the Eight Nations tournament coming up in the autumn and ultimately the end uh, of the Six Nations with the, the two games that Ireland have got. Have you heard from Andy Farrell at all? Has he been in contact? I know obviously a lot of the players are centrally contracted or all of them are centrally contracted. Um, how's that been over lockdown? Yeah, um, he actually texted me just saying he's enjoyed some of my uh, trick shot videos. I think he's a big Man City football fan, so... Uh, it was kind of lighthearted, just saying he hope I'm doing well. And I think I was away uh, just up the coast for a few days. So he just said to enjoy it. And Mike Caddock actually texted me the other day as well. So um, I'm due to call him back just for a chat, just to talk about getting back underway and, and kind of the plan going forward. So um, it will be nice now to get back to those games because it's pretty disappointing um, that they got cancelled because uh, I was hoping to get a couple of games. And, and it's typical that just as... I was hoping to break into the team this happened, but all I can do is kind of play well now again when we get back. Well, we started the bandwagon last year. Cooney should be starting for Ireland. Um, how's it been working with Mike Cat? Because I, I know Catty reasonably well. Uh, played with him. Um, obviously, he's coached a bit of, of me for England as well. How He's such a rugby brain, isn't he? Do you enjoy working with him? Yeah, and another good thing about him is how, how good of a communicator he is and, and just a great bloke. So 
he's the type of guy when you see he's smiling all the time, he's asking how you are, which again, for me, it's, it's always been the kind of coach that I've migrated towards and just somebody who makes you feel more comfortable. And that's how I generally play better is when I can talk to somebody, I can bounce ideas. And when he tells me I have to do something, I'm going to do it because I feel bad if I don't. So it's been great having him there and, and he's kind of simplified some of our attack and just to, to kind of attack what we see rather than just going through the set phases or plays that we have. And, and he's very good at, at getting that where we're attacking the space and, and similar to the kind of the way England play is, is you know these days that most defences know how to defend set plays. It's, it's who can get into the fourth, fifth phase and, and kind of manipulate the space and play what they see in front, and which again is something that kind of suits me as a player. Yeah, when you see him again, tell him he still owes me 500 quid from the Australia Tour 2006 from the card school. I haven't forgotten and never will. But he's doing well as a coach, isn't he? Yeah, he, he said he's just moved over to, to Dublin as well. So um, I called him earlier and he, he was just, I think, moving into his new house. So I'd say he's a busy man trying to get that sorted this time of year now. Just sticking on the island thing and look, we've been chomping at you to get you a start in place in the team and I know that Andy Farrell listens I know that Joe Smith was an avid listener as well and the Lions tour is coming up and we're going to be pushing you for that on here so you can do that for yourself as well but um, jokes aside there's been a healthy competition there with Connor Murray and I'm sure people read the media right and we know what it's like you maybe don't as a, as a young fella coming through that you know the, the next player coming through everyone wants a piece of right and they are oh, he should be starting Conor Murray's not the same player he's old Johnny Sexton the same and the kind you know it, it goes on that way how's your relationship been with Conor Murray because look he's one of the best scrum halves to have ever played the game but you're chomping on his heels the media is pushing you in some aspects to start ahead of him how's that relationship been because again having been in you know, Scotland, for example, with Johnny Gray coming through, you want to give him a little bit of information, but you don't give him too much, do you? Because you want to keep your position. But healthy relationship with him? Or, you know, is it, you know, you're vying for that nine shirt and you want it bad? Yeah, again, there's not actually that much of a difference. I think it's only a year difference, probably because I have an 18-year-old's haircut that people think I'm a little bit younger. <laughs> but but I, he's, got, he's got gray hairs. He's got gray hairs. Is there only one, one year's difference? That's the thing. I think those those couple of years injured kind of helped me. I didn't get a battered and bruised for a couple of years. So my body feels really good. Um, but yeah, we've, again, we, we played a little bit together underage. Um, I think we, I played a year young with a Irish twenties, threw the ball over Ian Madigan's head, got dropped from the twenties. So, uh, we know each other quite well. We've always Mads, got, Mads is, Mads is short though, isn't he? Yeah. I think he's five, eight or something. So he's on. But yeah, we, as you find normally with people in your position, you generally get on quite well. I get on, with most from halves that I that I play with Ireland or even with Ulster, so because you're working together all the time, you generally bounce each other off ideas and you're practicing together. And he, he is a good bloke; he's a real good bloke, Connor. So, um, anytime I think it was the year before and Six Nations, I played four games and got dropped out of nowhere for the Welsh game. Um, after driving my car to the airport, thinking I'd be in the squad to then get dropped, um, and he came up to me and said uh, a couple of words, saying, "I'm sorry to see that, and I thought you should have got a game." So. It's nice for somebody in your position to to kind of have um, the ability to to see that and and kind of speak to you and be humble enough to do that. So um, I've I've enjoyed his company and and we're two different players. I don't think he's chasing me and I don't think I'm chasing him. It's just trying to be the best player we can be. Yeah, good stuff. Um, It's great to hear that everyone still gets on even though you are competing. But um, ultimately... The end goal, the, the big prize at the end of the season, you're starting rugby again this weekend. You fast forward uh, just under a year's time, and it's the Lions Tour to South Africa that's still 
going on at the minute. Um, is that a goal for you? Um, because we're going to start a campaign on the rugby pod, Cooney for the Lions. And ultimately, we want to jump on your coattails and get out to the Lions tour as well. And if you're there and we're there, it'll be some trip. Um, is it something that you've thought about or is it just so far off that you you know, you know, just head down playing for Ulster? Yeah, well, I'd be lying if I'd said it wasn't something I'd thought about. Um, it was something that kind of kept me training during this because it was easy to, to kind of knock off, like I said. But when you've such a big goal and um, it, it makes it quite easy then to work hard and I said recently in an interview about five or six years ago I sat down I tried to make a five-year goal and I picked the most ridiculous thing that I could think about at the time and it was to play for the Lions I remember writing it down like you're this is stupid to even consider this because at the time I wasn't even in the Connacht team I think I was out with my third shoulder surgery and uh, hadn't been capped for Ireland and I also I just played Germany, I'm pretty sure, for the Connacht Eagles. So I was a million miles away from being anywhere near that. The, the Germans are good, though, yeah? Oh, that I, that was the, the low point of my career, I think, because Connacht were playing European Cup, and here was me. I just remember thinking, Jesus, your career isn't going very well at the moment. Um, but yeah, I wrote it down anyway, and if I was to obviously hit that, it would be one of those weird moments in your life where you write something down and eventually you hit it, so... Everything else has kind of come through and uh, getting the cap for Ireland was kind of the main one at that time. So uh, it'd be pretty amazing for that to come true. But I have a, a lot of work to do. My mantra was always just each game is, I know it's completely cliche, but for two, three years, I was not getting selected at all for Ireland and it was heartbreaking and it was disappointing. But my sister told me all I have to do is keep knocking on the door and eventually they can't say no. And that's kind of what I've done for the last two and a half years. So that's kind of what I'm going to plan on doing this season again. Mate, you have. And, the, you know, the thing that I like most about you, apart from your hair and your ability and all these things that we kind of joke about that we do, you know, that we do genuinely like and, and the millions out there as well. But I actually quite like the fact that you're outspoken about them things because, you, and hence why we want to have you on the show more. Is there a part of you that feels like you're making up for lost time? I, You know, to be fair, and it's probably more research that I should have done. I didn't realise there was a year's difference between you and Conor Murray, like, right? So you look at his career, the amount of caps yeah. that he's had, the successes that he's had at Munster, the line tours and I think naturally you know you you want to go like you, of, of course so is there a part of you where you're trying to make it for a bit of lost time and you know you've got to put yourself out there you look at some of the best players in, in other team sports they're confident right they're putting themselves out they say yeah I want to go on the Lions tour I deserve to be there I'm going to push you all the way so is that something that you consciously do or that's kind of in you you think I think it's a bit of both but even you kind of get bored of hearing the same interviews from rugby players all the time and they just sit in the fence and they say exactly what you want to hear and I, I like to study other people and I just realized that the more I kind of put myself out there the more pressure I put myself under to, to kind of achieve what I want to achieve and like that I just seen too many interviews where it's like yeah well hopefully this weekend we go well and we compete it's just the same stuff over and over again you might as well just say what you actually feel and what you want to think go on, give us something give us some headline news then what do you think <laughs> <laughs> i'm not outspoken enough sorry i know okay I uh you, i heard you say madigan's got a massive bush that's his one problem that's wrong <laughs> with him so uh we we'll might turn rugby, rugby players into boxers where you're on twitter just abusing other players all the time <laughs> <laughs> that's they that's will, that's yeah. season six uh, one thing Jim mentioned, last sort of question for me, one thing Jim did mention is the haircut. How did you cope over lockdown with the hairdressers being closed? Uh, are you back in every week, every five days? How regular is it that you get your hair sorted now? My poor girlfriend, made YouTube videos she had to watch um, to make sure she's getting it right. My beard trimmers also have a beard at the moment, um, which will be gone for the game. Oh, mate, I was going to say that looks good. Yeah, but... A weird thing in my head that if I played a game with it, I just don't know, it'd be in my head. I don't know why. Get rid of it then. No, that's no, kind of going, mate. Yet. 
I like to look as young as possible so that I feel young. Yeah, no, it, I like that. It, I tell you what, it's such a big year for us all um, to get you on the tour and for me. Get, I'm telling you now, get rid of it, mate. We can't have any distractions going to the game at the weekend, please. <laughs> I, I've got to saving up my match fees for you already. Oh, that's fine. Please, please do. Please. <laughs> all right, John. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, we'll let you go and uh, shave your face off and uh, get ready for the weekend, mate. Well, you'll see me Sunday. Certainly can't will. Can't Good wait. man. Thanks, Thanks John. Staff. The see campaign Cooney for the Lions starts here. Cooney, 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 Cooney. Thanks, lads. Cheers, pal. See you later. Bye bye. Cheers, John. Cheers, pal. Top load. Good lad. Top, Top load. Top load. Cooney for the Lions, eh? We're on that. I really enjoyed his company there. We're going to have him on more throughout the season, however that may look. Yeah, it's going to be a regular feature. I reckon, what do you reckon, every two or three weeks, four weeks, yeah. maybe once a month? Yeah, we'll see. Um, we'll get him on. As his stock rises, we are grabbing onto those coattails of his. And we are flying first class straight to South Africa with the boys. Right, well, let's finish things off now with the good, the bad and the ugly goody. Yeah, plenty of good this week. Um, and we're going to start off over in your land, Andy Rowe, New Zealand. I know I know, a game was called off, but Aaron Smith, big shout out to Aaron Smith. Uh, he messaged me on uh, Instagram, actually, trying to get hold of my gloves that he wanted to try out a couple of months ago. Uh, but he's played his 150th Super Rugby game. For the Highlanders, so uh, a massive effort, a massive tip of the slipper to him. They gave him a, a guard of honour as he walked off the field at the weekend. So uh, fair play to Aaron Smith. 150 games of Super Rugby is some innings. Um, let's move back to these shores and let's go to the Premiership. And Ben Spencer down in Bath uh, moved from Saracens during lockdown. Uh, scored a try less than five minutes into his Bath debut and played outstandingly well. Uh, to help Bath to victory over London Irish and a bonus point win as well. So that moves them nicely up the table. Mate, we didn't um, speak about Bath. We didn't. But we they just were, did. You just yeah. did. They were good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Ben Spencer. They were good. Well done, Ben Spencer. Um, what else is good? Ellis Genge, purely just for lifting up Johnny Gray's shirt to show us his muffin top. It's a trick. I taught Dan Cole when I did it to him. Cole, he chased me around the field for the rest of the game. It's actually a trick that someone tried to do to me when I was at Worcester. So... Um, you always take the good ones and put them on someone else, don't you? So fair play to Ellis Genge. Uh, a bit of a laugh there. But we're going to stay down in Exeter for a bit of good. Yes, they had a good win. They had a lovely set-piece first-phase try from a scrum. Their forward play was good. The best thing about their day down at Exeter Chiefs was Stuart Hogg's lid. That has grown back full-on, bushy, slicked the lot during lockdown. Um, he stayed away from his peroxide dye as well. So the hair transplant has worked it's thatched it's come through and he's looking a hell of a lot better than he was isn't he Jim mate he is he's put on a fair bit of size as well he's, um, all he needs to do now good, is uh, good size good size or mate, decent size yeah, yeah decent, like decent, de- decent pipes on him but he still looks like Robert the Bruce's dad so <laughs> um, you can't have it all mate you can't have it all yeah Premiership Rugby is back and so is Hoggy's lid um, what else is good everyone that's taking part in Ride London between the 15th and the 23rd of August uh, as people try and raise money for My Name's Doddy Foundation and other charities as well. So really important to get involved with that. Have a look at that on social media, please. Um, other good bits as well. Harlequins. I'm going to put yeah. them in the goo gym. Yeah, you happy with that? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Am, mate. mate. I like the video that built them up to the game they did with DHL. I like that as well. So Guzzy's hair. Have you seen it? Hasn't it hasn't grown back. Yeah, it hasn't no, grown back. No, it is. It is sprouting for the first... Mate, it's actually... I'd say it's got double sproutage. 
It still looks ridi- it still looks ridiculous, but he's, he's got it's double sprouts now. Double well, sprouts. He, he always hides it during the regular rugby season under a big beanie because it's normally cold. Now it's summer months; you can't really wear a beanie. So um, yeah, Guzzi's uh, hair doesn't go into the good, but Quinn's beating a much talked about sale team. Uh, they get a mention in the good this week. Uh, Gloucester, we're going to put them in there as well. Their emphatic victory over the Warriors uh, down at six ways. Bristol's. They're going to get a mention. It wasn't a particularly pretty game or a good game, but they, it was a dogged victory over Saracens. And it's now six in a row in the Premiership for Bristol's. Uh, so tip of the slipper to them. Uh, but finally, the Goud. There's only one place we're going to go, Jim, this week. You tell me. Where are we going with the Goud this week, Jim? Saracens for the charity uh, no. work they're doing. No, 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 okay. no, no. We're going this week, obviously, to my old club, Wasps. Uh, a five-pointer on the road at Saints. Uh, they look sharp, they look clinical. The back row, Willis, uh, Brad Shields and uh, Thomas Young was outstanding. A um, couple of players did pretty well. Brad Shields was rumoured to be going to Northampton Saints. That didn't happen. He's staying at Wasps. And also, uh, back in the day, a couple of years ago, Josh Bassett was talked about as signing for Northampton Saints. He U-turned, stayed at Wasps and scores a couple of tries against them, especially the decent try at the end. Uh, to get the bonus point, length of the field effort pretty much. So um, that was inspired by Thomas Young dropping on the ball, making a bit of a break. Sopawang got involved as well. And old my Fekato Willie can tackle. Uh, so this week, Wasps get the good. Here, here. Make no complaints. Uh, the bad. Um, we'll start off with Worcester Warriors. Uh, we've got to put them in there. Spanked 44-15 at home by Gloucester under their new regime. What else is bad? We'll go over to your neck of the woods, Andy Rowe. Oh, And we're going to go to the Crusaders. Bad, bad people. Bad people. Uh, Damaging the Super Rugby Aotearoa Trophy. And now there's... Yeah, very naughty. They're getting some um, advice on how to fix the issue that they've broken the the trophy. Some cultural advice. Yeah, yeah, it goes deep in that land, doesn't it? So um, it's not like, you know, the old days of... Jim Jeffries, the, the, you know, the, or the LV Cup or the EDF, them yeah. shit cups and stuff. Yeah, yeah. you just can't out. do that. So the Crusaders, they're always in the good, but not this week. They're in the bad. Um, that was pretty bad. Um, what else was bad? Leicester Tigers, ill discipline, sixteen penalties on the trot at one point. We mentioned that earlier. Um, I'm going to put Naira Voro in the bad. Actually, um, I think he's stamped on him. Mate, good luck. Good luck, mate. Good luck with you doing that, mate. Good luck with you I don't doing know. this. Well, he's a big man. I'm, I ain't going anywhere near him. He's but a I big just... man. He's a big man. He's absolutely Marsev, Andy. <laughs> he's Marsev. Yeah, I just think he's got to get a mention in there. I don't know whether it's deliberate, but it's not a good look. And then the bad. The actual bad, we're going to go. We're going to put, we're going to bracket it. And we're going to put some of the horrific lids in the Premiership this weekend that have come out. We've had lockdown. Hairdressers have reopened. There's no excuse, guys. Go and get your lids sorted out, John Cooney style, because there were some horrific ones. Reese Priestland with his dyed blonde hair. What are you, 16, mate? Mate. That's not a good look. Uh, Tom Dunn and Will Stewart down at Bath. Have you seen the state of their lids? My goodness, mate. I mean, the Mohicans, I don't know what's going on. I mean, I used to have a shocking lid and I can talk about it now because... This is the thing. Well, this is going to be the argument. Is people are going to be like, who is this bloke to talk to me about lids? <laughs> we'll because have a look arguably, at my profile now. No, no, it's not now. When you, gr- when you gr- waddled Grace the Field with that lid, th- th- there was no one, no one on this planet that was playing professional sport that had a lid looking like that. So these people, like Priestley who's got blonde hair, he's looking at the lads in New Zealand playing the Aotearoa Championship and thinking the blonde they went pink. Is un- they went pink. 
Yeah, well, they can do whatever they want. They're hard as yeah. nails. Yeah. So yeah. It, that's why he's done that. They're looking at your thinking, how is this guy judging me? But you can because it's your segment. You said it's it. It's my segment and I've had my hair done and I used to look like Hulk Hogan, I'll have you know. Um, so that was my lid. Uh, what, who are, Thomas Francis. Shocking mullet. What are you thinking, pal? Uh, and then finally, the one that gets it, we mentioned it earlier, the bad this week has to go to Dunky Weird, me old screech haircut. That oh, is the worst word. thing I've ever seen on her. Worse than mine. I'm going to throw it out there. That's worse than my old lid. The whole package, I'd say. Not 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 because his whole package isn't great, but the package on him. Like, you got away with yours. Like, Francis, mate, all right, yeah, you've had shit lids before. But, like, you're just looking at that, and you can't look at anything but the pubed. You can't. Yeah, <laughs> pubed. Yeah, you can't. You can't <laughs> look you at can't. anything past that. So the bad this week goes to some shocking lids across the premiership, but mainly Duncan Weirs, who looks like Screech from Saved by the Bell. Uh, and then the ugly. Um, two bits of ugly, really. Uh, we spoke about one of them earlier. We spoke about both of them earlier, James. Uh, firstly, Milani Nanai's no-arms tackle on the chicken. Johnny May. Um, that was pretty ugly. Obviously deserved a red card and got it. Secondly, we spoke about it earlier. Luke Cowan Dickey, a.k.a. Puke Cowan Sicky. Luke Cat Luke Cowan Sicky. Luke Cowan Sicky. Puke Cowan Sicky. Whatever you want to call it. Come up with some names. That is ugly. You've celebrated and you've got up. And one of the Exeter boys on social media came back at me and said he's one of the most hanging blokes they've ever seen. So um he uh, he's got up celebrating, he's shouting, he's sicked out everywhere, all over the, the Leicester boys on the floor who tried to stop him scoring. Absolutely hanging. That's the ugly for this week. Puke, Cowan, Sicky. Hashtag hygiene. Hashtag hygiene. Thanks, Scooty. And you've got a shout out to finish off with, don't you? Yeah, a massive shout out to Talact RFC in Dublin. We've mentioned them before, uh, but they're back at it again. They're running 200 kilometres in relays from Toman Park in Limerick to Dublin on the 22nd of August. Uh, they've currently raised over €12,000 for Aware Island, so it's a massive effort from them. It's a charity helping people suffering from anxiety or depression. So just check out Talact RFC's Instagram or head to give.everydayhero.com forward slash IE forward slash T, then the number two T. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, Jim. And thank you very much for listening as well. Don't forget to hit subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts on and check us out on YouTube as well. Rugby pod. Pod, pod, pod.